Welcome to On Water, the Session Magazine podcast. Here we talk to water athletes, entrepreneurs, scientists, and earth-friendly folks about the experience of a life well-lived connected to water. I'm your host, Evelyn O'Doherty. Let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to another episode of On Water, a session magazine podcast for water lovers. Today, we're here with Lindsay Tilton, an exceptional water sports athlete who has just accomplished something no woman has been able to do before. I'm going to let her tell you the story about it, but what she's here for is to give us a great message about what she learned and how she wants to use this to inspire others. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you're here. Thanks, Evelyn. I'm stoked to be here today. Yeah, so you've had uh, an interesting journey recently, having participated in uh, an event called The Last Paddler Standing, which is an endurance stand-up paddle event Um, And I was hoping you could just give us a little bit of an overview for um, our listeners who don't know what that event is and what it entails. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. Last Paddler Standing is a stand-up race that takes place in Sarasota. It's around a man-made lake. Every hour on the hour, you paddle 3.3 miles, and then you get back to the start of the lake at the top of the hour. So the event goes until there's no one standing. Um, so last year, the event went 48 hours. At the 49th hour, there's a little bit of a plot twist, and the lap increases from 3.3 to 4.9 miles. So it becomes an all-out sprint. Okay. That sounds literally a little insane, which I love. Um, how many people sign up for this event? So it's in its second year. It is still growing. It's capped based off of the size limitations of of the lake that it takes place on or the training facility. Mm-hmm. Last year, in its inaugural year, I want to say there was 18 people and I think 32 or 35 this year. Mm-hmm. So a pretty small event. Yeah, but it grew. It grew, you know, a hundred percent in one year, yeah, it, which is amazing. It grew um, quite a bit this year. Yeah. And what's the percentage of uh, men to women for that event? So this year, I believe there was a total of eight women. I feel like last last year there was even less. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but definitely more guys out there than girls. Okay. And what about this man-made lake? Like how, how big is it? Is the course, uh, are you just going back and forth? Is it a triangle course? Like, what does that look like? It's essentially the perimeter of the lake. There's a few turns throughout, but it just makes one big circle. I believe it's like a crew facility, and they had ICF there last year, and they're actually having worlds for ICF there this year. Oh, for wow. this coming year in 2024. Okay, so this this is a training ground for a lot more than just uh, stand-up paddling. And yeah, it's a beautiful facility. That's amazing. Who Who's the director of the event? Because I, I honestly don't know. 
So the mastermind or the evil genius is Greg Wingo. He also directs uh, the Alabama 650. I love it. I love it. Like a real endurance, uh, endurance master. That's cool. Like, Cause that's, yeah, that, that's like a very different element in stand up paddle racing than we've seen so far, you know? So that's amazing. I think Greg is an endurance runner and this concept of last man standing type races actually started in running. So he's the first to bring it over into the paddling world, but he's definitely all endurance. His races are meant to, t- to torture you. There's not many rules of last paddler standing, but one of them was that you can have no music or audio on the water with you. What? So he's definitely in it for the mental aspect. That's fascinating. Okay. So no distractions. You are just, you are in it to be in it. So when you complete your lap, like your three mile, uh, 3.2 mile lap, how long do you have to rest in between? It depends on your pacing. And part of that is strategy as well. If you want to start sprinting early on, which we saw out there this year, a few guys sprinted all of their laps. I don't know if that was to get into the heads of other paddlers or if they just wanted a longer break. For me, I was pretty consistent with all of my laps where I had 12 to 15 minutes on land uh, each hour. Wow. All right. So walk us through, was this your first year of doing last paddler standing or did you participate last year as well? No, I heard of it last year in the fall and I had a friend that was doing it, Josh Lanfear. Mm. He went 26 hours last year. So we were chatting about it before he went out. I was like, I might do this. I didn't really do much training, but maybe I'll just go out and see what I can do. But I decided uh, to, to actually train for it before getting into it this year. So it was my first year competing in it. Probably a good idea. A little bit of training. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, so walk us through your experience. Like how did, so you were doing 12 to 15 miles at the start. Like how did you pace yourself? How did your body feel? Uh, What I'm especially interested in Lindsay is like the mental aspect. Like how do you keep moving forward after like 24 hours has passed and you know, other people start dropping out, like, you know, sort of walk us through that whole process of creating the amount of success that you did. I'd love to hear about it. Mindset is really big to me in paddling in general and really anything that I go through. I know a lot of it is mental, um, less physical than mental. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started preparing for it by journaling really like what I would be experiencing, what I'm going to feel like when I start to get tired and how I'm going to respond. So I started journaling on that, started visualization, practicing, uh, meditation in the morning before the race. I couldn't, couldn't really sleep much. Got mm-hmm. up pretty early and did yoga for like maybe two hours, just like a mm-hmm. slow flow. I did a lot of meditation and visualization type work. What is it going to feel like? When things start to hurt, because I knew going into it, there's going to be some sort of pain. Mm -hmm. I've been dealing with a lot of lower back issues this year with paddling. Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew that was going to be an issue for me. And I was just trying to get ahead of it and what I can do to prepare myself. Sure. Um, I had taped to my board this year pictures. So I had a family photo, uh, but it had my stepdad in it. Mm -hmm. that passed from pancreatic cancer. So seeing him go through that the thing that stuck with me the most and like my takeaway from that experience was my stepdad, Dan went through that pancreatic cancer, pretty much knowing he was going to die. It has, I think Mm -hmm. like a 5% five year survival rate. It's Mm -hmm. one of the most deadly cancers. 
a man did not complain at all one time. So that was what I told myself. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to complain when things start to hurt. I'm going to come out every, every single lap with a smile on my face, no matter what I'm enduring. And I started to kind of having a mantra on the water, like in my brain, it was just mm-hmm. joy and suffering. Can you find the joy in suffering? And that's exactly what I did. I felt so blessed to be out there, especially as the time went on to be one of the last women paddling just felt like a real blessing to me and to have such an amazing support crew. I had the best support crewing for me on land, um, mixing up my water, my tail in every lap, cooking food, but also friends back home. I was overwhelming the amount of text messages and calls I got from people throughout mm-hmm. the race. I wasn't really able to look at my phone too much, but my husband was on my crew team and he'd be like, oh, I just got this message from so-and-so or this person just called. So I really was able to find joy throughout the whole time. I had one of my best friends, Blake Carmichael, who actually won the event this year, and a few other really good friends out there on the water with me. So I never got into a mindset where I really was just allowing myself to suffer. It was always like, this is a joyous thing, and it's a blessing and an opportunity to be out here, um, to even be mm-hmm. able to paddle. So like I said, I had my stepdad, uh, his mm-hmm. photo on my board, and then I also had my niece Evie on my board, who's four years old. And I just had, I had a photo of her watching me on the uh, TV. She, for the live stream for when I did the crossing for cystic fibrosis in 2022. And it had a little poster that said, go, go aunt Lindsay. Oh and I goodness. take that to my board as just a reminder to set an example for other girls. So mm. I have now I have multiple um, nieces and um, yeah, just having that photo, looking back at that front and center on my board, continue doing this for girls and set an example to let other girls know what's possible, especially being out there with, like I said, majorly men. Um, and then I had on my hand, I had my stepdad's name, Sharpied on, mm. on one hand, and my friend, Sakat, who died in a car accident's name on my other hand. So it was every stroke I saw those two names. That's kind of a ritual now for me for races. I put those two names on my hands. Um, I had that on for the crossing. My friend Sakat died in a car accident in mm-hmm. his mid twenties. Mm-hmm. So that kind of went into the joy and suffering. It's like this is a true honor to walk this earth right now and have this experience right. and this opportunity really. So I wasn't gonna let any sort of negative thoughts come to my head without it. I really showed up to the race. Maybe I didn't train the bus for the physical standpoint, mm-hmm. but mentally my mind was just really in it. Wow, Lindsay. I mean, your why is so powerful, right? To have all of that encompassed in your time on the water. Um, I hear it. You know what I mean? I hear it. And I hear you about your stepdad uh, and his the beauty of you know, being there with somebody and witnessing their ability to withstand suffering without complaint is uh, an incredible motivator, you know, and it's funny when I, um, I haven't raced competitively in a few years. Um, but when I did, one of the things I would inevitably find myself thinking when I was out on the race, when my body would be like, this hurts like this, this, whose idea of fun is this? Like, what are you doing? I would always like, I would catch myself. I would look up I would take in wherever I was, the water, the people, the surroundings, and I would be like, I am so lucky I get to do this. Um, And that's what I hear you saying, you know, it's just like that blessing, that joy of just being like, look what I get to do when my 
you know, my friend who died so tragically in a car accident isn't here, you know, that you get to be present and, uh, and participate in an amazing event like this. Um, is that about right? Yeah, that's exactly it. It really did feel like an opportunity for me more than something negative or oh, I'm out here. Why am I out here? I never had mm. to ask myself the question, what am I doing out here? It just always, you know, was ingrained in me. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm here to do. I'm going to honor these people, my stepdad, my friends, Sukat, my niece and all other future and young girls really it just, mm. and there's other things too on the water, like the other paddlers, even mm -hmm. though you're competing against each other, there's so much camaraderie out on the water that really helps you to keep going as well. I think that's part of the reason why Greg says no headphones is he wants to force mm. conversation on the water. And there's, there was some laps where it would be silent, but most laps you were chatting with people. Um, we had a lap where we just talked about everything we were grateful for. Wow. Josh had asked Blake and then we just continued with Lindsay, what are you grateful for? And we spent the whole lap just, you know, sharing where we're at in our life and what we're grateful for. So those type of conversations also really helps. Um, I think at the 24 hour mark when I was still mm -hmm. in it and I was the last girl, mm -hmm. the conversation shifted a little bit on the water. The guys were, I think, mm -hmm. a little bit surprised and they're like, you have to keep going. You would be, it'd be really cool if you could make it. Bobby Johnson, actually, he was, uh, I was fundraising while I was doing, that's part of the, that's, I forgot to mention that. I was mm -hmm. fundraising for the crossing for Piper's Angels, which raises money for cystic fibrosis. So mm -hmm. I'm doing the crossing this June. I was using Last Paddler as a fundraiser for that. So I had pledges per lap. Um, oh, cool. People pledged maybe 50 cents, a dollar, two dollars. And then the amount would be that times how many laps I did. So I had that in the back of my mind too. Mm. How every lap I do, it's a few more dollars going to this amazing grassroots organization. Um, so on the water, Bobby Johnson actually said to me, Bobby Johnson is a legendary paddler. Someone mm -hmm. I really look up to in the endurance space. Great guy. He has a ton of achievements, but more importantly than that, he's just an amazing person. He said to me, Lindsay, if you make it to 40 hours, I'll give you $200 for your fundraising. So there was just like a lot of support and um, camaraderie on the water. The guys were rooting for me, pretty much checking on me every lap. I felt like I had a little like support family on the water. Mm -hmm. I did most of my laps with my friend Blake, but it was just, yeah, like I said, the conversation started to change at 24 because people were surprised that I was still in it, which I think is funny. And also, I don't know, interesting, ironic for a lot of better words that mm -hmm. they think or people, I would say that people think that being a girl, you're not going to make it. And I don't know if it's just because it hasn't been done before or if it's less common, but it's insane thing. The text messages I started getting in the calls from family at that point. I know my mom called me and she's like, I'm going to sleep, but we'll see what happens when I wake up in the morning or something <laughs> along those lines. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting shift being out mm -hmm. there at the 24th hour because the 24 hour mark is really like, wow, I've been paddling for a full day. A day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a day. It's so, crazy when you think about it. It didn't feel like a day when I was in it. It just felt like, I don't know. I kind of got tunnel vision. Like this is my mission. I'm going to do this. Didn't really think about time. Like I think I probably had a few laps where I was like, this is starting to get painful. And I'm mm -hmm. trying not to think about that. Like my palms were 
covered in blisters. I pretty much made every mistake as it relates to getting blisters as you could have possibly made. Mm -hmm. So I just kept working on distracting myself. I remember turning to Blake and it was the middle of the night. I was being like, Blake, tell me a story. And he just told me random stories about his childhood. (laughs) and Went back and forth with that. Like, just tell me something to get my mind off of what I'm experiencing, you know? That's Lindsay. I mean, that sounds, you make it sound magical. You know what I mean? The, the force of the mind to just stay in the moment, right? Just, you were just present doing laps, right? Just staying positive and, and, um, you know, and collecting those donations to be able to just keep going. And one of the things you haven't mentioned, which I think is really worth mentioning is that the first year, the longest female paddler standing lasted how long? I don't know if it was 13 or 15. I'd have to pull it up. Yeah, I heard it was 13 hours. And uh, at the end of this year's uh, last paddler standing, how long were you out there for? So I was out there until 48 hours, which was always my goal. I, it felt a little bit uh, delusional because I'm like, okay. I've never stayed awake for for that long in my life. And I haven't pulled a all-nighter since my undergrad. So I'm like... It was a lack of sleep that I was most worried about um, when it came to that. But my goal was always 48. I knew at the 49th hour that that increase in distance would be very challenging for me. Mm-hmm. And it was really the hot topic in my my like little support crew camp. Is They're all like, you have to go for 49. They started having those conversations pretty early on. Because early on in the, the day, I was like, I'm not going for 49. I'm just setting the expectation now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause originally I would, I thought it'd be very cool to try to give it my all to be the last paddler standing. Mm-hmm. That was something I was working on for my visualization for a while was they had like a big wrestling belt. I started visualizing myself with Greg handing that to me to start just getting that visual in my head to prepare my mind for that. But realistically at the, even though I was doing all of that mental work, mm-hmm. I didn't know what the lack of sleep was going to be like. So Pretty early on, I decided I don't think I'm going to be able to do this because I tried to take a nap early on. I was told by many people when I was researching and studying up on these type of events is you should try to take little power naps as much as you can. Sleep, honestly, is something that I struggle with now. I don't have the most uh, healthy sleep schedule. Shoot for as eight hours, but I just wake up a lot throughout the night because of stress or whatnot. Yeah, sure. I never take naps. It's just not been something I can do. So I was trying to practice napping beforehand. It just didn't work. So there was one lap where I closed my eyes. I laid down. I was like, this is just not going to work. I just need to go slower on the water to have mm-hmm. less time on land. And I even give myself the opportunity for that. Right. But I knew at 49, it's... the distance increasing from 3.3 to 4.9, you're sprinting. If anyone goes back and watches the live stream, the guys that went for, there was four guys that went for the 49th lap. Two of them didn't make it back within the cutoff and the other two were full on. Well, they were all full on sprinting. Right. Um, So that was always the goal. I had a lot of pushback from my camp saying that, no, you're going to keep going, which is amazing. And I feel like having the support that people believe in Mm -hmm. me to keep doing Mm -hmm. that, even like at the 40th lap, I asked my husband, I was like, please Google how to make hallucinating, hallucinating stop. So I had wow. you know, somewhat alerted him, alerted him to something that was going on with me. And yeah. he still was like, you should really try for 49. 
my friend Casey, you should try for 49. I think the only one who was on my side for not trying for 49 was Blake because we've trained so much together that he knows he's like, you can do it, but you might get injured doing it. Is, is it really worth it? And for me, I was like, no, I'd rather, you know, pass the baton to you and cheer for you on that lap. Mm, that's yeah. awesome. But you completely, you completely achieved your goal, right? I yeah, mean, I, like, I achieved my goal of 48 and it was amazing to see yeah. two of my really good friends, Blake and Alex battle it out at 49. There was a little bit of like, I don't know, I was really stoked at the end and kind of surprised that I was able to keep going and that I mm-hmm. was in not that much pain. Like my hands hurt. I have three black toenails from, from standing for that long but I was prepared. Like I'm going to get injured during this race or it's a possibility I'm going to get injured during this race. I have to take time off and then start training for the crossing in June. But at the 49th lap or 48th lap, when I had turned in and said, I'm no longer going to keep going. So you have to alert the race director. Sure. He hands you a poker chip and then signs your board. And that's how you tap out. I was just surprised that I wasn't in more pain. So I was like, should I have kept going? Um, and at the end, I told Greg, the race director, I was like, this was an amazing race. Thank you for putting it on. I hope to be back next year in some capacity, but I won't mm-hmm. be on the water. And that within two days, that changed. And he said that to me. He's like, it's funny how over time we we say that after races, right? Like I ran a marathon. I was, I'll never do that again. And then you right. sign up again yeah. and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty out of it. I was like, I had so much fun. This was a life-changing event, but I really want to be on the other side next year and be able to provide the crew support that I received this year. Cause that was really amazing and a game changer. Just having my husband there my best friend, Casey, my friend, Jason, my friend, Romy. I had so many people come out. Mm. Um, Casey and my husband, Jimmy were there for all 48 hours and then stayed through the end. But I had a handful of friends that came in and out throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to be able to su- provide that support to others but I think it was less than 48 hours later where I was getting texts. Hey, are you going to try for 49 next year? I think you should. So <laughs> now that's on the horizon. So I don't want to walk away from this race with like a, what if, like, what if I did try sure. for 49? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But I have one. Realistically, the shape that I'm in right now, I don't think I could have done two laps of that, but I didn't give myself the opportunity to try. So as of right now, I'm going to come back next year and try for the 49 flat. Hell yeah. I'm sure you are. I mean, just the absolute, I, I, I don't know. It, so, it sounds to me like in terms of building your endurance paddling career or whatever, you know, whatever your endurance paddling that to finish at 48 hours, which was your goal, right? So you, you can check the box, like I, you achieved your goal, but also to take assessment of how you felt at that moment, you know, you, that you had more in your tank to give, like, or you weren't hurting as much as you thought you might would in my mind would only draw somebody like you back one more time, you know, at least one more time to see what, to see what else is possible. Right. So, I mean, just for the sake of discussion, right? So last year, a woman finished at 13 hours. This year, you finished at 48 hours. I mean, that's an increase of, you know, I I, I can't even, right? 300%. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, and you were, it sounds like you were one of the last five paddlers on the water, right? If four men completed that final lap. Yeah. So um, I was of the last five and then 
technically tied for third, even though they don't recognize second and third, because if you don't complete that 49th lap within the hour, you, you don't get credit for it, unfortunately. Which is why it's called last paddler standing, right? I mean, that's either you win or you don't, <laughs> right? But it would be nice. Yeah. It would be nice if, I mean, I fully hear and agree with that and I am all for um, equality, right? But I also, it would be really nice if there was some sort of recognition for the last woman paddler um, because for a million reasons, right? Because we are physically built differently, you know, because there is different things that each, uh, you know, male or female can do, but I love, love, love that you put yourself out there to, um, to lean in, you know, and see where you stacked up in the overall, uh, the overall picture of last paddler standing. Uh, yeah, you know, I just... when, I, mm-hmm. when I first went into it and signed up for the race, I was aware that there wasn't a female category. Mm-hmm. Um, we had reached out to the race director actually to ask him if he would consider adding a female category because we said you would attract more girls to the race. Absolutely. And it would be nice to have a more even um, representation out there between male and female because there are those differences, right? Like, little things like I was supposed to have my period during the race, which was something Mm -hmm. that was really stressing me out for a while. We have to take time to go to the bathroom frequently, you know, take care of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Luckily that I was behind on that, but, um, even like using the bathroom, like taking the time to get onto the, onto the land, walk to the bathroom where the guys were just going off their, off their uh paddle boards where it's like mm-hmm. yeah i could jump in the water if i want to to save time didn't want didn't want to do that it was actually very cold um during the mm-hmm. race that was very cold the entire time so there's mm-hmm. little differences like that that you don't think about as honestly i hate to say that females are disadvantaged because i feel like we have a lot of other advantages but in that regard there is a slight disadvantage i'm having to cut into my break to use the restroom um just like silly things like that but then on the other hand, I do feel like females have the ability to have a stronger willpower and mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason why we carry on with uh, the population, right? With childbirth. Right. Like I think right. tables were turned and my husband had to have a child. It would just, we would never have kids. That's how, how <laughs> it would go, you know. He gets a needle and I have to sit on him at the, at the doctor's um, for like a blood work or whatever. So there are advantages and disadvantages. I would love to see more representation for females. Mm-hmm. Like I said, mm-hmm. we only had eight girls out there this year. Um, I was the last, but the girl before me was 17 hours, which is amazing compared mm-hmm. to that jump again from 13 to 17 last year. That's a huge jump. Um, so I would love to see more girls out there in general, whether they come out with the goal of six hours, 12 hours, 24, 48, or to be the last power standing. Yep. It would just great to have that representation on the water. Mm, I completely agree. And I, I think your example of what you accomplished this year is going to p- draw out more females uh, for an event like that. So um, just briefly, you, you said that this last paddler standing was also your fundraiser for another event called the Crossing for Cystic Fibrosis. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that is and when you plan on participating in that? Yeah, so the Crossing for Cystic Fibrosis is really how I got into paddling. It is a paddle that goes from Bimini, Bahamas to Lake Worth Beach, Florida. 
Mm-hmm. They launch at midnight and then you arrive the next day. So it's an 80 mile paddle. I've only ever done it solo for the 80, but you can do it as a two or four person relay or however many people. I've, like I said, I've done it on stand up, um, but there's other categories as well. There's mm-hmm. OC1. My friend Casey did it on prone last year. So any sort of watercraft to trans that can get you across the water, you draft behind a boat. So every um, individual paddler, if you're going solo or if you're on a team, has a boat following it, which mm-hmm. will have um, safety support because you're in the middle of the ocean. Also, sure. any sort of your water, everything is stored on the boat. And that takes Amazing. place this year, June 23rd. Mm. So are you uh, are you planning on crossing solo again? Yeah, I'm planning to cross solo again this year. When I first did it in uh, 22, I did it solo, but I did it recreationally, which Mm -hmm. that just means that you're not eligible to place. You're just out there trying to get across the water. There's a little bit uh, different with the boat. So I had three other girls with me instead of being Mm -hmm. uh, individual behind the boat. Mm -hmm. And the organization helps to provide a boat because I had just moved to Florida at the time didn't have connections for people that had a boat that would be able to do this. So I signed up recreational just as kind of, Hey, this mm-hmm. seems badass to paddle across the ocean. Yeah. I had never been on a race board in my life. Um, I've only been on a rec board. So I didn't <laughs> have that. That, like, was last year. that was last year. <laughs> yeah. That was in <laughs> June 22. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you, actually you learn quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you, learn, you pick it up quickly. Like if there's anyone new to stand up, maybe if they've only ever done sit down or they've never done any sort of paddling, mm. there is a steep learning curve, but you got up it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I would say when I True. did it in June, I had signed up in February. I remember watching, uh, they have a documentary about the race on YouTube called Epic Love. And Mm -hmm. it really goes into the why behind the race and how it raises money for people with CF. And I had watched that documentary and was left with tears in my eyes. And I was like, I don't care how I do it, but I'm doing Mm -hmm. this race. And I originally thought, oh, I should plan for 2023, the next year. So I have time to, you know, learn, (laughs) learn how to paddle and train. But then I thought (laughs) to myself, I was like, I have a feeling that that date is like, I have something going on that day. So let me just email them. So I emailed the organization and sure enough, June, 2023, that day I was in a wedding that was on that same day. Mm-hmm. So I said, do I plan for 2024 and have a few years to train or do I do it now? And I was like, you know, life is really short. I don't know what's going to be going mm-hmm. on in 2024. If I'm even going to be here, like right. not to sound like dramatic or tragic, no, but I I can't, my brain, I can't plan that far out, you know? So like, I'm just going to do it this year, see what happens. Um, so it wound up being amazing or life-changing, life-changing event. Like it literally did change my life. That sounds, again, very dramatic, but the people no, that but... I met from that, uh-huh. everyone that I met in the state since living here has been through paddling, which I got into because of that race. So it was really life-changing. And then getting across, I was able to go all 80 iron, which means you didn't get on the boat. Right. Beach um, to beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going beach to beach as an Iron Crusader was, you know, really for my mind, it was really helpful to to know like you really can do anything that you put your mind to. I had sprained my ankle in May, I think it was on a surf trip wow. right mm-hmm. before that. And I spent the majority of that trip just thinking because I couldn't couldn't surf. It was a surf and yoga trip. I couldn't surf and I couldn't do yoga. 
So I was in Panama, pretty much just chilling where everyone else in the group was out doing either surfing or yoga or whatnot. Um, thinking to myself, like, what am I going to do? Like, I've been training since February for this. I have this sprained ankle. Like, mm-hmm. doctors telling me when I got back, no, you shouldn't do it. Um, and I don't even think I didn't even have my race board at that point. I've been training on this this boat rec board, this twelve six no ten six board, thirty one inches wide. My longest paddle at that point was twelve and a half miles, and pretty wow. much I couldn't paddle until until like a week or two before the, um, the race. So just being able to go through and finish beach to beach. I think that was the first thing where I was like, you know, it really is what you're, what you put your mind to, you can accomplish in life. So it really was a life changing event. Holy cow, Lindsay, like you're, you, you've just got me, I don't know, betwixt and between, like, I think I, I'm going to get get off of this podcast and go on my paddleboard and just get out there. <laughs> Seriously. Hey, it's you're so... signing up to paddle this year. Time to train. <laughs> well, I am. I am. I'm, I'm signed up as a, a part of a nonprofit uh, recreational team um, for the crossing this year. And I'm really looking forward to do that. But I wanted to uh, let our readers know if they wanted to donate to your fundraiser, right? Your fundraiser for the crossing for cystic fibrosis. Where do they go to do that? So the fundraising takes place through a uh, third party called Classy. I can give the link. It's a little bit long. It is in my Instagram bio. So if you go to Instagram, okay. Earth Girl and Lindsay, you'll see the link there. But it's classy.org slash fundraiser slash 4830146. Sure, there's okay. a way what- to change that link. I haven't figured it out. Um, so like I said, I'm just sending everyone to my Instagram. It's easier. Earth Girl and Lindsay. Earth is it Earth Girl Lindsay? Earth Grown Lindsay. Earth Grown Lindsay. Okay. And also I can put the link in our um in the podcast show notes, you know, so that people can find it. It's just it's an amazing fundraiser, right? Crossing for cystic fibrosis is uh you know, a hundred percent of the proceeds go to a, a nonprofit organization that directly puts funds in the hands of the community, the cystic fibrosis community of those people who need it the most. And, uh, I'm so excited to hear that you're going as a uh, competitive paddler this year. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be an interesting finish. I don't know who else has signed up, but, uh, I really look forward to seeing your name, you know, on the leaderboard, you know, once we hit the beach, do you have in the couple of minutes we have left, do you have any, anything you would say like to your niece or, you know, young girls that age about, uh, about what you've learned from these incredible experiences. You have like any words of wisdom for that generation. Yeah, that's a, a loaded question. Cause I don't know. There's a lot to say. Um, I would just say, don't let anyone limit you. Don't feel mm-hmm. limited because you're a female. Like I said, there, there are biological differences. I recognize and honor that, but don't let that stop you from anything you want to do. If you want to be the first female to do X, Y, or Z, go and do it. If you believe that you can do it, you can do it. Like the only thing that's going to stop you is yourself and your, your mind. So don't let it, don't let it stop you. That's amazing. Yeah. And if, if you have any self doubt, then just look up earth grown Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) And And if there's anything as it comes to paddling that you have questions on or have, 
you know, I know a, a lot of girls this year, I've been getting messages. I've, I'm going to do last paddler next year. I want to do this. I want to do that. After seeing you do it, the, like the support that came afterwards was a little bit overwhelming. Like I'm just a random mm. person. I'm not a professional paddler. I work a corporate job. I live a normal life. I just mm-hmm. do this as a hobby, right? So I'm getting so many messages. I think the most like powerful thing that someone said to me is we can be what we see. So that I set that example, but I don't think that that example needs to be set. If there's something that you want to do, go out there and pave it yourself, like pave your own way and then be the example for the next generation or the next girl. Mm, I completely agree. Right. And, and just sort of removing the barriers of what, you know, our, our culture, this, the culture, like there's no positive or negative here, right? But just removing any barriers that have been presented to us as females is like the first step in literally like stepping forward into that empowerment. Like who says we can't do, as you say, X, Y, or Z paddle for 48 hours when nobody had ever done that before. I mean, just, it's so, what you've done in the last couple of years um, is so impressive, is so inspiring. And and I can't thank you enough for, um, you know, taking the time to get on the podcast and and talk to our listeners, you know, about both of these great events, about your experience on the water and, um, you know, anything else that you have coming in the future. So uh, any last thoughts or any anything that you have coming up that we should also know about besides the crossing? No, the crossing is a big one right now. Um... Yeah, it's kind of the thing, next thing I'm training for. I'll have a few other small events along the way. Mm-hmm. But really, I set on the crossing this year. If there's, It's not too late to sign up. If there's anyone out there that wants to do the crossing, feel free to shoot me a message. DM me on Instagram. I'm incredibly easy to reach there. I'm a mentor this year in the crossing. I was a mentor last year. And mm-hmm. one of my like greatest joys in life is sharing the sport with other others. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have any questions at all about paddling, LPS, the crossing, endurance training. Um, I'm also a vegan. So if you have questions on like vegan nutrition for races, because that was something I had to do a lot of research on. Really, I'm an open book. There's nothing that I won't share. I'm probably an oversharer. So feel free to reach out (laughs) to me. I would love to get more people in Sarasota next year for Last Paddler, but also for uh, the crossing for CF. Because I truly believe it's it's a life-changing event. I think like every person I meet, I tell them about it. Like you've got to do this, participate in some way, whether you can have a 10 person relay, right? Like you can paddle right. eight miles if you want to, or 20 person relay, if you have a big enough right. boat to put the people. Um, yeah. So if there's any questions you have about either of these races or anything else, I am an open door and I, you know, I would love to help you get there. Lindsay Tilton, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You've, um, you've definitely lifted my spirits, you know, and put a bug in my bonnet about getting a little bit more serious about training, even though I'm here in New York and winter is descending, um, (laughs) for this event. But I mean, it's really, it's all about the gear rather than the weather. Um, yeah. And I just, I really look forward to seeing you if not before in June, uh, you know, in Bimini, for uh, the crossing for cystic fibrosis thanks again for spending some time with us today yeah thanks for having me on i'm super excited to see you out in Bimini this year and be rooting for your team Woo-hoo. All right. <laughs> Let's go. we hope you enjoyed this episode of on water 
We certainly love bringing the myriad and diverse group of characters from our water community to you to share their experiences. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. This podcast grows out of the publication of our quarterly print magazine, Session. Session celebrates the ways in which we all, as water lovers, engage in our world's aquatic playgrounds, from surfing to foiling, kiting, stand-up paddling, and more. We encourage you to visit our website at www.session-magazine.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.